Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and Aaron Adams and I are recording this week's episode on Thursday, October 27th, 2022. And that is the day after Black Panther Wakanda Forever premiered out in Hollywood at the El Capitan. No real reviews yet. Everyone seems to be respecting the press embargo, though there have been some comments on social media, which Aaron, uh, you and I will discuss later in the show. But I, I will say this much, the cat is definitely out of the bag, at least as, as to who the MCU's next Black Panther will be. I mean, hell, they had her version of the costume on display on the red carpet last night. So Aaron and I are not going to spoil what is already the worst kept secret on the planet. Well, surely our listeners can't be that blind. I mean, surely our listeners can't be that blind. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Was that a Freudian slip? I mother uh, mother okay. I need a hot cocoa and a hug mother I think I've done it again uh, all right well uh, <laughs> Mr. Adams is there anything else you'd like to share with the class before we <laughs> proceed here yes I've, I <laughs> broke through it all like a bull in a china shop okay. speaking of bulls in china shops mm-hmm. our good friend uh, listener and uh, radio veteran Dimitri Ravenos uh, who does the sports thing uh, mm-hmm. we want to wish him a get well Apparently, he was on a two-wheeled vehicle and then went to no wheels. Oh. And uh, thankfully, for the grace of a helmet on his noggin, the jello mm-hmm. stayed inside. So uh, we're, we're happy that Dimitri is still with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just want to wish him to get well soon and keep all the wheels on the ground, please, sir. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. And again, speedy recovery. Now, back to the, the news stuff. I, I did get to see one little bit of uh, new stuff by Werewolf by Night. We had a, a listener reach out. And I figure we can get this out of the way real quick since that's in the rear view mirror. But um, the Shelby Miller, he recommended the podcast The Rough Cut, which had Michael Giacchino on, as well as his editor, Jeff Ford. Mm -hmm. And so we got a couple of interesting nuggets out of that. Uh, He had absolutely zero mandates to connect to the MCU. That was first and foremost. When uh, Feige asked him, you know, if you ever wanted to do a project, what would it be? And he said, Werewolf by Night. Feige about fell out of his chair. Like, why? <laughs> why would you do that? Out of all the things, why? And um, Michael said, when you go to left field, man, go way left. Go way left. He doesn't want to be in the mainstream. He wants to play in the fringes. And so that was where that came from. And it was so fringe that, you know, Feige said, well, sure, why not? It almost seems harmless. And yeah, there is no mandate to connect to anything. Just go play and have fun. That was part of the reason for the black and white was that it was completely different from anything the MCU had done before. And they really were trying to find a way to visually tell the audience, you don't have to look for connections and threads and Easter eggs. You can just unplug and let this be its own thing, which is also the, the special tag that came up front was also kind of way to say, this is a new thing, a different thing, a separate thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it can go in the MCU. And that was their dialogue where they acknowledged the heroes. And then they pan away from them, and they never reference them again. So it was like, yes, we acknowledge that heroes exist, but not right now. That's not our story. And then to get the the effects of the grain and the scratches to make it look aged and film, Mm -hmm. they uh, shot everything digitally, and then they passed it through a a film print and then re-scanned the film print to get all of the dust and the grain and the the artifacts. So... Yeah, that was a very unique way of going about it. But everything was originally very clean, very digital, very, very modern. 
and then they just ran it through the aging machine by throwing it on a, on a film and, and scanning it back. Now, because they were working digitally, they had a couple of luxuries that most people didn't have. Jeff Ford, the editor, was on set with Michael Giacchino, mm-hmm. and they'd film something, and he'd take the footage and start editing it right there, mm-hmm. that instant. And so he could have rough cuts of scenes put together before the day was done. And so when they went into the next day, they had a really good idea of what they were doing because they've already seen a rough cut, like almost in, in real time where they where they got that result right there. And then because Michael is a music maestro, he would go, what do you think about uh, music where you do something like this? And they would pitch ideas. And then Michael would go cut music, like just go into a closet, come out with a fully scored thing, plop it in the scene. And they go, yeah, how about that? Yep, that works. Day two, let's go. And man, were they efficient. And so they had a ball because nobody works like that. Um, But because they were so small in the Marvel scale of of production, uh, nobody was futzing with them. Nobody was telling them how to do things. So they could go like with guerrilla tactics and get it done quick and cheap and uh, efficiently. So very, very interesting podcast. Thank you to the Shelby Miller for pointing it out. Uh, If you want to get more information about uh, Werewolf by Night, check out that latest issue of The Rough Cut. Jim, back to you. Okay. I, one quick note, though, that I don't know if you saw the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special trailer yes. that dropped early this week. And the thing that Mr. Feige and Mr. Giacano put together, that special presentation thing, you know, was was put in the front of that as well. So, Well, I, I think that was just Feige saying, hey, I got JPEG on my butt because we spent a little bit of money to make this, so <laughs> use it. Just use it, man. If it's not a movie or a TV show, it's an offshoot, use it. Okay, that's an interesting observation. We'll, we'll just let that lay there for a few minutes, you know, because we're, we're going to be chatting about Mr. Chapek shortly. And lots of news this week, folks, so uh, let's get to it. But as always, a uh, news portion of Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network for a worry-free travel experience every time. Please book online at storybookdestinations.com. So, we were just mentioning the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special trailer that, that dropped on Monday or Tuesday or thereabouts, which had its moment in the spotlight for four, possibly five minutes before an even bigger piece of news uh, happened. And you did see this, right, about uh, where James Gunn will soon be hanging his hat? Well, yeah, but I'm just so obsessed with the fact that Kevin Bacon is our actual through point of the holiday special. He's the the red herring that they have to go get. And uh, that the James Gunn thing, it's like, but Kevin Bacon, (laughs) we got got him. Uh, So I I had a really hard time separating the day into two halves because I was overjoyed on one hand, terribly saddened on the other. But it makes sense. It's a good call for for DC, right? And Warner Brothers, I think. Oh it's no, a good no, call no, for them. Yeah. I, absolutely. And and if, for those of you who, who don't know what we're talking about here, you know, we, we've talked previously on the show quite a bit about David Zaslav, the new CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, and what he's been doing uh, with that you know recently merged major media corporation and. There been a lot of decisions that I think the fan committee has taken issue with. You know, for example, the decision to basically throw the nearly completed Batgirl into the vault. But at the same time, we've been hearing this drumbeat about how David has been looking for his Kevin Feige. You know, someone with a genuine vision to then write her. Now, we had like just two weeks ago or so had a guy named and we announced the name, right? Hmm. Yeah, and, and so and, that guy's moving in. He's got a, a stuff lays it on his desk, and he's like, 
hey, Zaslav, why are there two desks in this room? <laughs> right? And that's where you take over and finish the punchline. As it turns out, it takes two people over at Warner's to do Kevin Feige's job. So one of the things that really helped sort of seal the deal here is, do you remember how the last episode of season one of Peacemaker ended with the Justice League showing up? Mm-hmm. And they even persuaded uh, Ezra Miller, and I'm oh, I'm blanking the gentleman who, who does uh, Aquaman. Jason Momoa. There we go. Persuaded those two gentlemen to suit up and do basically a cameo. Uh, but it was the notion that, you know, only a, a James Gunn could, ooh, why don't we do this? And tell you what, why don't we reach out to these guys? And, you know, we do this all the time over at Marvel. Mm-hmm. And it, it really gave a fun flavor and an exciting moment to the, the tail end of that show, which would already had been great fun all season. James is going to be the creative, uh, where Peter Saffron, or Saffron, excuse me, uh, he's the gentleman who's a veteran producer, uh, behind the uh, Warner Brothers hits like their, their Conjuring series. And he's going to handle the business end of this thing. But the, these two gentlemen will now be the co-CEOs of a brand new division at Warner Brothers Discovery, which will be called DC Studios. And James and Peter will oversee all films, TV, and animated projects featuring the characters of DC. Now, almost immediately, though... There was kind of an asterisk to that story. It's like, oh, oh yes, all, all all movies and and TV shows and animated. Well, well, except for the, for the Joker sequel that, that that Todd Phillips film right. got announced recently, where Joaquin Phoenix, who won the Academy Award for playing the Joker, and Lady Gaga will be teaming up to do a musical that'll come out in two thousand twenty four. I can evidently. That's its own thing. You know, it'll be off to the side. Again, Todd Phillips will be doing it, whereas everything else featuring DC will come out under uh, James. And um, does that include the new Batman, the Batman 2, which is also kind of set off to the side? I have reached out looking for some info from Matt Reeves' people and, you know, Give us a couple days. We'll get back to you. Because I think... They're now sorting things out internally yeah. to figure out what goes where. Because, okay. again, you know, the thing is, Batman made like $750 million worldwide. And so it was one of these things where it's like, okay, we want another one of those. And also they had already begun the Penguin-themed spinoff that I think was going yeah, to... that H- was canceled already, though, hasn't it been? I... <laughs> you know, they, they were going to do a lot of things with it, and then it seemed like they also canceled a lot of things with it, and that may have been around the same time as the Batgirl thing. So, I mean, there's billions of dollars that Warner Brothers is writing off during this <laughs> no, process, ab- right? Ab- so Absolutely. absolutely. You know, that, that, in fact, that, that still continues. They are still... Right wrangling the giant debt that came with this merger. But there's a grace period now where, you know, for, where James and, and Peter are coming into their jobs and everybody else who's been doing DC projects, just the effect of, okay, so so what does this mean for the thing I'm working on? This has previously been my separate duchy, and now suddenly I, I have two CEOs, you know, supposedly in charge of the division that my film would fall under. So, a real quick side beat question. Uh, yep. Marvel has Disney as the owner, yep. NBC Universal. 
It's got uh, their Universal Studios uh, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Right. Does Warner Brothers DC have a theme park uh, sugar daddy, so to speak, where they could uh, take all of their good superhero stuff and, and turn them into rides? Because James is also good at that. That gets a little complex because okay. there was a deal for many years for the DC characters to be in the Six Flags park. Uh, okay. Uh, that seems to that deal seems to have lapsed, and at the same time, Warner Brothers recognizes that this is a business they should definitely be in to further muddy the water. Remember, we, we've talked about what happens in 2024, where potentially Comcast, which owns NBC Universal, could potentially turn around and and buy Warner Brothers Discovery, which would then mean that the Warner Brothers characters could go straight into the Universal Parks. But, of course, Mr. Zavslav, five to six weeks ago, just sort of poo-pooed that rumor, you know, to the effect of our our company is not for sale. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't know, as we'll know, until we get to 2024. But for now, you know, what's interesting, you mentioned theme parks, which, of course, brings us to Disney. And, you know, obviously the folks at Disney, this news caused some ripples. Now, Got to give a shout out to Kevin Feige, who was on the red carpet just last night for uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever and very graciously said, you know, I will be the first person in line to see whatever James Gunn does with the DC characters over at Warner's, which very classy. Uh, I will tell you, though, that there are other folks at Disney fairly high up, in fact, who are not happy uh, about this, uh, largely because what it it then does, for example, for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, the holiday special, and likewise, uh, Guardians Volume 3, which, which... You don't have to beat around the bush. It's Noreen from Craft Services. She's really, really upset about this departure. I understand. You're a little higher up than Noreen. But, you know, okay, but, okay let's, for now, let's just, <laughs> let's just say it's Noreen. All right. Part of the problem is the way Marvel Studios works is that, I mean, for every film they've ever made, they do the final cut, they screen it and go, okay, that could be plus, that could be fixed. And, you know, sometimes these last-minute futzes and fixes come very, very late. I, you know, mm-hmm. you and I, Aaron, have talked about the original Avengers film with the whole shawarma scene didn't even get shot till after the premiere right but the the challenge is now that if they go to fix or add new stuff to this movie james gunn technically won't be available because he's down the street at warner's trying to figure out what to do with henry cavell and and the super and by the way um (laughs) speaking of of worst kept secrets obviously the the words out now about the mid credit scene in Black Adam and Dwayne Johnson had had basically been revealing this the entire time he was out there promoting Black Adam. But did you see the stories of speaking about how late this went into the movie? Did you see the stories about that where they they did the test screening in August where they they basically did Superman from the neck down? And saw the audience reaction that got with the test audience. And Dwayne Johnson got a no out of the, the gentleman who was in charge of DC at that point and actually went around him to Zaslav and convinced him we need Henry Cavell. 
what, what you need to do here is you need to do a Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. You need to invite Henry over for dinner. You mm-hmm. need to set up a camera on a tripod. And while you're right in the middle of your linguine, you go, by the way, mm-hmm. we're live streaming to 5 million people with Henry Cavill, who mm-hmm. just agreed to be Superman in the new Black Adam film. Mm-hmm. And then just you, you turn off the camera and you go out there. We're done. And now <laughs> if they don't do it, the world implodes. And uh, yeah, it's the end of... Uh, civilization as we know it all i know is the story where after the test audiences the reaction uh, the scores for the film went up tremendously on Mm -hmm. on the tail end of of that great you know so it was one of these things where it's like spend the money sign the contract get him back in here to be superman and they did it in september for a movie that got released in october so to sort of circle back to what we were just talking about with, with Guardians 3 and that sort of thing, the whole notion of, geez, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that with, with Guardians 3 because, mm. uh, frankly, James will be up the street working on stuff for DC as he should be as the, the new co- co-CEO. But, you know, there's also a number of folks at Disney who, frankly, it's like when Warners was willing to take a risk on James, it made us look stupid that, you know, we overreacted. And that's why in March of 2019, and largely also on the back of the way James handled himself, remember he he took full responsibility for what he wrote and that sort of thing. It was very gracious and understanding. So it was like, okay, you, you, all is forgiving. Come back and do Guardians 3. But from that point forward, Warner Brothers is the safe haven where Disney is kind of the abusive old girlfriend. <laughs> When's she going to toss me out again? But again, it, it it is sad to lose Gunn at Marvel. I love his sense of humor. I love what he did, did with story construction. And so, and given how dark the Warner Brothers DC movies have been in the past, I'm really looking forward to see what he does over there. And it would kind of be cool to have Warner Brothers doing great DC movies because that would then finally have somebody nipping at Marvel Studios' heels. And and I'm kind of hoping it would be the film equivalent of what happened when Universal opened the first Wizarding World back in June of 2010. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm expecting is like a DC land to open up somewhere at a theme park because they've got so many characters and why not milk that entire cow for every yeah, every yeah. drop you can get out of it, right? Yep, so the same thing. I'm... I'm just, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens in the next five to ten years. Now, we were just talking about uh, trailers and, and the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday trailer. But also this week, we got our trailer, our first trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania. This is a different cut of the trailer than the one that was shown at the D2- D23 Expo back in uh, September during the, the studio's presentation. Um, and what I found fascinating is they cut out one of the more memorable lines out of that trailer. Scott basically says, you know, you, you don't want to mess with me. I'm an Avenger. And Kang sort of sparks at the name of the Avenger and, and says, have I killed you before? And that's nowhere to be found in the trailer now. So I'm fascinated as to why they, you know, because 90 95% of this trailer is the exact same thing that was shown in Hall D23 back in September. But why pull that out? So it lands better in the movie. Mm, could be. Well, what what did you think of, of the trailer? 
Oh, I thought it was wonderful that we got um, something that was visually different, very, mm -hmm. very interesting, very, very beautiful, very, very mm -hmm. old school Marvel looking uh, by way of the quantum realm and, mm -hmm. and how that all looked. I'm enthusiastic when we get to go on field trips that leave New York City. <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, that's the thing I believe I'm most excited for. Outside of obviously the fact that we get to kick off our Kang storyline a little bit more properly, mm -hmm. but yeah, outside of that, it looked very very pretty, and uh, that's about it. Well, we were just talking about the PR challenges that Disney is facing with Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special and Volume Three, given that James Gunn is effectively out of the equation going forward here. But chatting with those folks for today's show, I also uh, had them voice their concerns about Bill Murray, who over the past two weeks or so, a number of stories have come out about Bill in regard to Gina Davis and to Seth Green. And when they initially got Bill Murray for uh, Ant-Man 3, everyone was really excited because it's like, oh, you know, we, we got Bill Murray. And now... Where we are, and remember, this, this film drops in February of, of next year. You know, the whole notion is, okay, how do we handle this? Do we actually put a Bill Murray on Jimmy Kimmel? Or how do we handle this? Because people are going to want to follow up. People are going to want to ask questions keying off of Gina's stories and Seth's stories. And Sometimes we just call this an apology tour, don't we? Let's see what happens come... January, February, when they, they start their promotional push for uh, Quantum Mania, because you want the film to be the story. You don't want the people who are in the movie and what they've done in their private lives to become the story. In fact, think about the number of times we talked about Letitia Wright during the production of Wakanda Forever, and whether it was her injuries on set or her issues with uh, COVID and the vaccines and that sort of thing. And, and think about it. This film has launched. When's the last time you heard anybody talk about uh, Latisha Wright and, you know, COVID or vaccines or that sort of thing? I mean, Disney... we all know who to thank. It's the Marvel PR team. There we they go. come in with the ball gag and strap in. Lady, you're going to be up for a little while. Shush. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Give me your phone. No Twitter for you. How dare you? You're on suspension for the next six months. Wait till the movie's out, then you can talk all the garbage you want to. I think that is scarily close to the truth. So yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> she is like nobody's seen, nobody's talked to her on the phone because she doesn't have her phone right now. That's all it is. She's safe. Mm -hmm. She's okay. If you were to say, "Are you are you okay?" Blink twice. She'll blink twice. She's okay. But mm -hmm. she just ain't got her phone. That's all. Okay. Okay. Well, I can now. Speaking of Marvel sequels, I don't know if you've seen the stories over just the past day or so about Hugh Jackman's been out there. He was telling the story about how when he was out doing promo for Logan back in March of 2017, he tells the world this is the very last time he's going to play Wolverine. His pants burst in fire in the flames. Fire, <laughs> pants on fire. Well, well, <laughs> to hear him talk though, that was the plan until he saw Deadpool two in May of 2018, and and then thought, "I've made a terrible mistake." You sure it wasn't when? No, because part of the deal was it was when uh, Patrick Stewart, Sir Pat, mm -hmm. said, "This will be the last time I play Charles Xavier," mm -hmm. and then. Uh, Wolverine there it's like well, this is the last time I'm playing Wolverine <laughs> and because like, I'm my mate there he's not going to do it no more I'm not going to do it anymore either 
and uh, that's it. And so they both quit at the same time. And then that son of a <laughs> turned around in that little yellow wheelchair, that little hover chair in uh, Doctor Strange 2 in the Multiverse of Madness. And you know Hugh Jackman was like, you son of a you lied to me, Sir Pat. You lied to me. No shrimp on the bobby for you. <laughs> well, I, I love so that's it. why he's coming back. That's why he's wow, coming back. For I, I actually like that story better than yep. the one that, that Hugh is telling. Because Hugh was talking about as soon as he saw Deadpool 2, he just he, he had this vision of a Deadpool Wolverine movie that where it was basically a 48 hours redo, the, the, mm-hmm. the Nick Nolte, Eddie Murphy movie from 82. Right. And any possible team up between Deadpool and Wolverine uh, had to be kept on hold for the 16 plus months it took Disney to complete its acquisition of those film and movie assets from Marvel. And remember, that was December of 2017 to all the way to March of 2019. But almost the day that the Fox thing was completed, Kevin Feige reaches out to him and has him come in to, to Marvel Studios to discuss you know, would you be interested in coming back to play Wolverine? Because, again, we are looking at reviving the X-Men. And the timing could not have been worse. One week before Disney completes that $71.3 billion acquisition of all the stuff from Fox, Hugh Jackman commits to a at least a year-long run on Broadway in a revival of Meredith Wilton's The Music Man. Now, this is announced March 13, 2019, and Disney announces it's completed the Fox acquisition again a week later on March 20th. The revival is supposed to get underway the fall of the following year with previews beginning in 2020 and actual performances the following month. And then, of course, COVID happens in March of 2020, throws off everybody on the planet's plans. And the revival of The Music Man, the previews don't even get underway till December of 2021, some 15 months after the original schedule. And actual performances don't get underway till February of, of this year, 2022. And as of right now, the very last performance of uh, a huge last performance as as you know Harold Hill is going to be January first, two thousand twenty three. So only then is he free to begin working with Ryan on on Deadpool three. By this time, Ryan Reynolds had supposedly given up on asking Hugh. You know, just it it, it had gone from a funny bit that they do on social media to the effect of, I don't want to be annoying. Clearly he's not gonna do this and so I'll I'll stop asking. And then one day the phone rings and it's Kevin Feige going to Ryan, hey, I know we got Sean Levy to you know direct Deadpool three, but you know, and I know you guys have a plan, but how would you feel about Hugh Jackman being in the movie? <laughs> and it's like, what? But that said, Deadpool two came out in May of two thousand eighteen, and the sequel has now been in the works for four years now, and the current release date is May eighteenth, two thousand twenty four. So it's going to be six years since the last movie. And when chatting with friends uh, at at Imagineering about James Gunn, and we'll we'll get to that in a moment, a little side note came up to the effect of, hey, when Deadpool 3 finally comes out, are we actually going to see Wolverine and Deadpool in the Disney theme parks? Or at least in DCA and Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris, which, of course, both have Avengers campuses. And... Aaron, the answer to the question will follow this ad. 
This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Are Deadpool and Wolverine coming into the Disney theme parks after Deadpool 3 arrives in theaters? in May of 2024, and yes, they will be joining. They'll be coming into the Disney theme park. In fact, supposedly Wolverine and Deadpool will also appear in that King Thanos e-ticket ride that they're now designing for the Disney parks. And is it going to be the Hugh Jackman variety? Well, I mean, like, we've we've got this multiverse of madness thing going on. Yep. I still don't think he's down for the long haul. Like... He's not going to play this role for another 30 or 40 years. He can't. There's just no way. And it takes a lot of work to get into that kind of shape. So Mm -hmm. how much can that man truly take? I'm thinking he's coming back for like a movie. And then they'll just bribe him with money until there's a point where he's just like, guys, I can't. I just can't. One of the things that a friend at Imagineering pointed out is that, you know, if you're talking about Wolverine, and in fact, we've talked about the piece of concept art that, that Disney handed out for D23 for the King Thanos ride. And mm-hmm. it, what's interesting is if you look at it, you have a a Tom Holland Spider-Man alongside of an actual animated Spider-Man, which suggests that they're going to bring the character over from the Spider-Verse. And remember, we've got our X-Men 97 animated series, which, you know, by the way, a lot of the vocal cast from the original animated series are, are, are coming back. Mm. So, you know, it is a, a mix and match situation. And I think the very thing you're, you're talking about here is like, which version, you know, thanks to the multiverse, are, is coming back. So. This is rather important, by the way, because I know that, um, you know, marketing, mm. toys and such yep. are really a, a very important thing of when a new movie comes out. And uh, Marvel... And Disney, both you guys. This one's a freebie. Next time you get Hugh Jackman and he's all ripped and in shape for playing Wolverine, you take a plaster cast of his stomach, that six-pack, and you make molds of it, and you turn them into dinner plates. Because my wife keeps telling me she'd eat off of that stomach. I don't know what quite what it means, but all I know is no matter what's for dinner... My wife will lick that plate clean. <laughs> wow. Okay. Interesting you mentioned consumer products, gas packs, and, and Marvel, because literally just yesterday, you know, Nancy and I you know, ran into the Target because our finicky cats are like, we're down to the food in the house that they will not eat. So I had to go out and search of, of specific cat foods that they would eat. But as I was... Headed back up front, I pass through the toy aisle, and sure enough, all of the Black Panther Wakanda Forever stuff is up. Mm-hmm. And fascinating that how much of this packaging features Letitia Wright. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's one of these things where it's like, okay, again, worst kept secret on the planet. Right. But for a lot of little girls, this is going to be a very big deal. So let's make this front and center. Yeah. So by the way, Jim, if if, if you do have a finicky cat, mm-hmm. the uh, Hugh Jackman ab plate, they'll lick any food off of it. They're no longer picky eaters. Just a pro tip right there for you, buddy. Okay. 
Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll, I'll loop Nancy in on that and see if I can pry the dish out of her hand so I can use it with a cat. So, all right. We were previously talking about Imagineering, and the folks at Imagineering are genuinely sad to hear that James Gunn is headed over to Warner's because they have so enjoyed working with James on, uh, well, first, Mission Breakout for DCA, and then, of course, the Monsters After Dark, the, the special Halloween-themed version of that attraction, and then Cosmic Rewind, because, I mean, there's a lot of film directors who, you know, when Disney opts to do something that's based on, on one of their movies or that sort of thing, it's just sort of like, they kind of view dealing with Imagineering as kind of a pain in the ass, okay, I have to do this, this is because of Disney, and this is what they do to help promote these things, and it's important to have them in the park, but it's really not a priority. The directors think of the film as the important thing, whereas James, who actually grew up going to the Disney theme parks, he was thrilled to be working with the Imagineers. In fact, when they went to him and said, you know, we want to do Mission Breakout, he had two days inserted into the, the, the filming schedule for our Guardians 2 that was strictly just to get the Imagineers exactly what they needed. You know, and in fact, it was one of these things where it's like, give, give me all the boards, give me everything you want to shoot, and I will get you multiple takes, I will get you, you know, options. You know, he, he was really a collaborative partner, and... And the same thing happened with Cosmic Rewind. They built in time to the Guardians 3 schedule to shoot that ride footage. And when you think about when they were shooting this in the middle of all the COVID protocols and that sort of thing, and it was already a difficult shoot to begin with because of that, and to then take time out to the effect of, okay, we got to shoot this footage for a ride. And, and James made sure that everybody in the cast understood how important this was, not just to Disney, but to him. You know, he wanted to deliver a good ride that would sit there for 10, 15, 20 years and entertain people. So the Imagineers, you know, are, are sad to see him go. But well, his twin brother, uh, uh, Tommy Gunn, that's right. Tommy Gunn is going to be stopping by. He looks very much like James just with a mustache and a goatee and a baseball hat and dark sunglasses. Oh, He'll be well. paying a visit every once in a while. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> Here's hoping. I, I would love if they, if that if that's how the way it went down. So, right. all right, there is a press embargo right now when it comes to formal reviews of Black Panther: Wakanda Forever. But on the other hand, like a lot of folks have been on social media sharing their impressions of the film. And what's interesting, the general consensus at this point seems to be a worthy follow-up to the original Black Panther film. And Wakanda Forever is is a superhero film that explores the grieving process. And let's see, beyond that, Namor supposedly makes a great entrance into the MCU with this film. There is one mid credit scene that people are describing as sweet. But beyond that, again, Aaron and I are not going to really talk in any significant detail about this film till after we've both seen it sometime after November 11th. Uh, we'll say this much based on advanced ticket sales and that sort of thing. It's already Wakanda Forever is already projected to make 150 to 200 million dollars in the North American box office alone, which we're hoping will will make Bob Chapek happy. Why is is he upset right now over for, for some reason? Is he in a, a frumpy kind of mood? I don't know if you saw James Cameron's interview 
this past week or so, again, he's he's beginning the first rounds of press for the Avatar sequel, The Way of Water. James tried to d- differentiate between two Disney franchises. He's like, well, you know, the Star Wars movies and the, the Marvel movies. I mean, you know, yeah, they're good. But the characters in them are, are like people in college. I mean, they have relationships, but nothing of consequence, you know, nothing, nothing permanent. Whereas in my movies, in the Avatar movies, we have characters who've gotten married and had children and have responsibilities. And, you know, that has weight and consequences and no disrespect, but they're blue cat people. And the first Avatar movie borrowed a lot of story elements from Disney's Pocahontas. So Mm -hmm. this whole notion of, oh, no, no, my movie is far more important, you know, or or adult and serious than those Marvel and Lucas movies. So maybe, maybe. Biting the two hands that are currently feeding you your your cheeseburger. Shut up. You're digging a hole. (laughs) Well, but but think about this. Think about this from Bob Chapek's point of view. They have blocked out all the way to 2028, Avatar 5. Yeah, well, watch uh, JPEG make a quick phone call. By, by the way, Mr. Cameron, you have uh, Avatar 3 to get things wrapped up good, sir. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think you're thinking of the magical creatures movies that yeah, haven't yeah, quite yeah. panned out. Disney clearly takes James Cameron seriously. I mean, for example, it spoke volumes at the Disney Studios presentation at the D23 Expo last month that footage from James The Way of Water was saved for the very last season. You saved the best for last. It ran after Lucasfilm and Marvel. Uh, They showed 15, 20 minutes worth of footage. 8,000 people in a room were handed 3D glasses so they could watch this thing. And the footage looked good. I don't know if it looked 2.8 billion worldwide good, but I, I, we'll find that out come December of this year. Mm. You know, if I'm looking ahead to 2023, 2024, I'm not necessarily, ooh, you know, I can't wait for Avatar 3. I'm more of the school of thought where I'm, I'm looking forward to Daredevil Born Again. By the way, just the other night, mm. I caught, I want to say 20 minutes of the Daredevil from 2003 with Ben Affleck and, and Jennifer Garner and Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin. I sort of enjoyed that. I mean, I, I enjoyed the fight in in the playground and Michael looked like he was having a lot of fun as Kingpin. Out ahead of Born Again, I'm, I'm sort of made it an issue that I'm going to watch all of that movie. I'm going to watch, you know, everything from Netflix, you know, so. Well, watch the extended version because it, it's actually a little bit better because you get, uh, I think, was it Coolio as the the criminal that Matt's defending in the court case and mm-hmm. he gets a little self-discovery in those moments that, mm-hmm. that uh, actually just make it a, a, a seem like a little bit more thoughtful movie and a little bit less plastic. Hmm. You know okay. what I mean? I mean, they, right. you know, they, they, they're made to sell toys to kids. And, and mm-hmm. I think that was the thing is like, it's a little bit too uh, thoughtful. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. cut that part out and just make it kind of more fun and punchy and kicky. Okay. And, uh, Got it. Yeah. Got it. Well, the interesting, I, I bring that up because um, on social media, Charlie Cox's is back in training. Uh, you know, he, in fact, he it was with the gentleman who uh, helped him master his MMA skills for the first go round, and you know he's back getting in shape ready to shoot those 18 episodes that disney plus is committed to oh and and while we're talking about disney plus stuff 
for a couple of months now, there have been, on the heels of uh, House of Dragons, uh, the success of that over at HBO, you know, people have been, you know, uh, talking about Amelia Clark, uh, who was obviously in the original Game of Thrones series, uh, you know, about, well, what role is she playing uh, in Secret Invasion, the, the, the Samuel uh, L. Jackson thing that, that's been shooting in London and, and Atlanta and the such. And we now have a name. And do you know an Abigail brand from the Marvel Universe? I do not. I saw the, the same news article and I was just like, yep, that's all Greek to me. And I okay. uh, kept scrolling on past. Okay, because they, you know, a number of sources have listed her as the director of S.W.O.R.D., um, which I know you've talked about on previous shows is sort mm-hmm. of the the companion organization for Shield. I think when uh, Daisy went off into space at the finale or whatever mm-hmm. of Shield, they went as Sword. That was like the beginning of Sword. I could be wrong on that, but I thought okay. that they've referenced it somewhere within the MCU already, and okay. I can't can't remember where now. All right. Well, duly noted. Duly noted. All right. Well, anyway, folks, uh, that kind of brings us to the tail end of the news for this week for Marvelous Disney. However, should news break between now and when Aaron and I record a new show next week, uh, you can always uh, pay attention to what we're up to on social media. And, and speaking of which, Aaron, where can the, the nice folks find you on social media? We'll simply go to Twitter and type in at Azaprod, A-Z-A-P-R-O-D. I got recipes now. You got, really? I got a really picky niece. She don't like guacamole. Mm-hmm. Don't like guacamole, Uncle Aaron. So you know what I do? I, I make her Irish guacamole. You know what that is? Oh. It's, it's mashed potato and sour cream. Shh. <laughs> Shh. Don't tell her. She thinks it's a good guacamole. Okay. Okay. You got picky I... kids. It works great. All right. Suddenly there are appetizer options for Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow. Thank you. I was looking for something. Speaking of social media, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media and over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. Also want to point out, we do have a couple of other podcasts we do here. We have uh, Disney Dish that I do with Len Testa, Likewise Fine Tuning, which I do with Drew Taylor. Uh, also Looking at Lucasfilm, which I do with Brian Gahn. And don't be surprised if Universal Joint suddenly lurches out of the darkness. I'm working on a brand new episode of that as well. If you could also do uh, Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend the show you're listening to right now, Marvelous Disney. Uh, Likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard here today, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, that would be great. And for now, I think that's going to do it, Aaron. So uh, thanks, folks, for listening, and we will be back soon.